Hi everyone, and welcome to another Monday Memo. And on today's episode, I just want to explore a bit more deeply how we can leverage those value-generating assets I've been speaking about the last number of weeks to help you achieve your potential in finance and become more influential and be involved in solving those meaningful problems for your businesses and your organisations so that you can then go on to have a more fun and rewarding career in our profession because I do think it's a great profession. Although I do get a bit frustrated when I hear finance leaders say that, uh, you know, the biggest challenge, according to one survey recently by the SSON group, a shared services outsourcing network group, saying that 95% of finance leaders believe that they have a skills gap in their organizations and their finance teams. And that, for me, is a little frustrating because... Um, I can see that we have fantastic assets around us and that they feel that way. And then in the same breath, rather than trying to address those asset deficiencies and nurture and enhance them, they're trying to change our behavior by telling us that we need to be more commercial. We need to get in front of decisions, act more like a consultant, be a value added business partner without actually um, investing in our assets in solving those deficiencies to bring us forward. And, you know, if you think about behavior in general, I remember reading somewhere that it's quite difficult to change our behaviors anyhow. I mean, there was this uh, survey done of heart patients, right, um, that had undergone heart surgery. And, you know, it would really benefit them if they adopted a healthy lifestyle after the operation. So when the researchers looked at it, they only found that one out of nine people who'd undergone heart surgery had actually adopted a healthier lifestyle. And if you think about it, it was in their interest to do so, because if they didn't, they faced an increased interest of death. They had the ultimate um, reason for changing their behavior. They had only one in nine did. So imagine then when you try and change the behavior of someone else, not even yourself, and then you have to try and change the behavior of an entire group or finance team. You know, what do you think the chances are of success of changing someone's behavior just by telling them that they needed to do it? So, you know, I want to come back to this idea that income follows on from assets. Value creation follows on from having the right assets in place and addressing the asset deficiencies that we have. And, you know, I don't think it's it's a rocket science addressing these asset deficiencies. But, like, let's look at assets in general, okay? Uh, most of us, I'd hope so anyway, are living in a house or renting a house or when we go to work, we're leaving a house, Um if not, we've probably not had the best finance career. But anyhow, houses, whether we're renting them or we're owning them, they're assets of some shape or form, format. Now imagine we're living in our house and we look up at the ceiling and notice that it's a little bit discoloured. But we said, ah, we're quite busy at work, so we'll just carry on and, and hopefully nothing will happen. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. Then one day we come back from work and guess what? There's a huge hole in the ceiling with water dripping from it, with a massive plasterboard and debris all around on the floor. And we think, oh my God, I've got to go clean it up. My God, my wife or my partner or my husband are going to be on at me about um, all the, the, the mess and getting it cleaned up. And what about the kids? And oh my God, the heating bills. Now uh, it's going to cost more if I don't fix it. And oh my God, whether I do it myself or whether or not I... I get a contractor in, it's going to cost me money, it's a hassle. So not only are you frustrated and a bit annoyed about it, because uh, hadn't done anything about it previously, 
but also the people that have to live in that house are also probably a bit frustrated about it having to walk around the plasterboard or trying to having to manage the kids so they don't play with all the rubble you know it's um it's quite frustrating if we don't address asset deficiencies and that's just in our home imagine if that happened but like you know we probably spend the most time in our lives at home and then the second place we spend the most time is probably at work right so if it's okay to um i suppose if we're not happy about tolerating asset deficiencies at home why should we for heaven's sake be okay with tolerating asset deficiencies at work particularly when we can do something about it you know um it just means we'll have to either do a diy do-it-yourself approach or get the checkbook out and get a contractor in now you know it's funny when i used to work in the uk i had a, a side business where i used to do books of people who used to rent out their houses or so landlords and one of the tax advantages that they had was without any receipts they could immediately write off against their income uh, 10% of that income for repairs and maintenance so you know it was even recognized by the tax authorities who wouldn't be the most commercially minded people out there that you have to invest in your assets if you want to see a return on them you know to keep them at least at their current value or even enhance their value uh, to drive more income right and you know if, let's say it was take that 10 percent, right and let's say there's a finance team that supports a business turning over i don't know 200 million euro a year and then let's break that down so a world-class finance team would probably cost one percent of that so the budget for that team would be about two million euro and ten percent of that then is two hundred thousand euro so how many finance teams are spending that ten percent or those two hundred thousand euro on just maintaining the state of their assets you know that that to me is is like at least the minimum we should be spending that 10 percent. so i'd be curious to know if any of your employers are because i'd be happy to give them a shout out on the show um, as a place that maybe we should be looking at having good careers at you know and then i wonder if all that frustration is avoidable because when you hear about the attrition and finance teams and the cost of that when it's worked out or even the bigger one disengagement i was researching this recently gallup what they calculated and i don't know how they did this but what they calculated was that when an employee is disengaged so a finance team member is disengaged it costs 34 percent of their salary that's what's lost so you compare that 34 percent against that 10 percent it's a bit of a no-brainer and not only that we really could be thinking about using that 10% to drive more value, not just maintain value. So again, I still struggle sometimes to comprehend why given in finance, we appreciate income follows assets that we don't ourselves invest in our own assets. So I'd really appreciate your thoughts on this one, either comment on the post that's gone with this episode or connect with me on LinkedIn or message me on LinkedIn and share your thoughts. I'd really appreciate them. And, you know, if you found this useful, let your friends and colleagues know about it. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So until next time, take care of yourselves, and let's keep on building our strength in the numbers.